In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. When the farmhands saw this sun arrive, they rubbed their hands in greed. This is the heir. Let's kill him and have it all for ourselves. So they grabbed him, threw him out, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard arrives home from his trips, what do you think that he will do to these farmhands? He said, they said, he'll kill them, that rotten bunch. And he will say, good riddance. That's what we would do, wouldn't we? And for a lot less than the owner of this vineyard. You hurt me, I hurt you back. Revenge, tit for tat, an eye for an eye. And if not outwardly, then we do it in our hearts, silently stewing over the wrong that may have been done to us. Plotting and even dreaming a payback. Maybe someone at work or at school takes credit for something that you did. Someone cuts you off in traffic. I know what you're thinking. Same for me. Or that time you went out of your way for someone and you didn't even get a mere thank you. What is it that causes all that indignation and hatred to swell up in our hearts and make us want to lash out to ungrateful wretches. The owner gave them so many chances, too many, maybe we would say, sending servant after servant after servant and finally sending his son. And those tenants just kept on getting worse. They finally pushed him too far. The owner should give them what they deserve. They can simply go to hell. That's what we would do. And so we think that's what God should do too. Even was talked about in the Isaiah prophet, Isaiah the prophet this morning. God expected good grapes and they produced nothing but wild grapes. So you're out. So there's a word of warning for all of us here this morning. If we think that sin doesn't matter, it does. Israel is the example for us. When they push God too far, what Isaiah prophesied happened. The armies, the, armies of, the armies of the enemies of Israel came up against them, defeated them in battle, and hauled them off as prisoners of war. They were exiled from the land of God had promised to them, for it was not their walls of stone and weapons of war that was their strength and protection. God was their wall. God was their fortress. And without him, all wild grapes and no good grapes, they went down. That's what they deserve. And truth be told, it's what we each deserve. But here is where this dialogue between Jesus and the chief priests and the Pharisees takes a surprising turn with Jesus' answer. 
He doesn't agree with the chief priests and the Pharisees and their answer and the evaluation of the situation. It's not their answer that was wrong. We've already seen what happened to Old Testament Israel. It's just that their answer was incomplete. So it's almost like after their answer, Jesus pauses for a moment, takes a pregnant pause, so to speak, and then speaks. Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. You see, like us, the Pharisees knew their law. You see, the law is our native language. It's written on our hearts. It's an atmosphere we grew up in. It's what we know. It's a doggy doubt world out there. Like us, they knew what should happen to ungrateful, self-righteous farmhands like those. What they didn't know and what they needed to learn was the gospel. That God is so utterly unlike us that we need to rethink everything we thought we knew and realize how lavish the love of God is. So Jesus quotes some words from Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected, the stone that was not good enough, so was rejected and thrown out into the scrap heap. God not only takes and uses, but he has made it the cornerstone. The most important stone in the whole building. The stone off of which the rest of the building depends and is built on. It is a new life, a resurrection of sorts for that stone. And this was God's plan the whole time. What was written in the Psalms was happening now. Jesus is going to be rejected, thrown out with the trash onto a scrap heap of humanity on the cross, but then would become the cornerstone. This was God's plan of lavish love for sinners. Except that doesn't seem to agree with the parable where the owner sends the son thinking that they will respect my son. But here is exactly where the parable surprises us and begins to change our thinking. For the word that Jesus used here for respect actually has two meanings. It's like our English word, cleave. What does that word mean? Well, it has two opposite meanings, actually. It can mean to cut apart and separate, like a meat cleaver. Or it can mean to join together, like when a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife and the two become one flesh. Jesus' word here in the original language is like that. It can mean either respect or shame. So which one do we pick? Does the owner of the vineyard really think they will respect his son after all they had done to the servants he had sent before? Unlikely. They will shame my son. And that's exactly what happens. But who does that? Who in their right mind sends their only son to be shamed, or worse, killed? Your heavenly Father does. 
He sent his son to be rejected, to be shamed, to be thrown out with the trash in order to take him from the scrap heap of the grave and raise him back to life as the cornerstone, the stone upon which the whole church is built. You see, God doesn't do what we would do or think what we think he should do. He does this, this marvelous, wonderful work. And so the Old Testament Israel was defeated in battle, hauled off and exiled, yes. But our wondrous, lavish love of God brought them back again. A new life, a resurrection of sorts. And this is why we so often read the words of Psalm 118 at the graveside of a Christian. This body that we lay into the ground looks like it has been defeated in death. But it hasn't. For in Christ Jesus there is life from the dead, resurrection, the forgiveness of sins. But it's not just for you when you die. Jesus is holding this out to the chief priests and the Pharisees and you and me even now. For he goes on to explain, the one who falls in this stone will be broken to pieces and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The time for crushing the last day is coming. But that's what we think should happen now to someone who sins against us. We want to crush them, make them pay, but not Jesus. He paid for you and for me. Now is the time to fall and be broken, to fall in repentance for our judgmental hearts, for taking Jesus' cross, one forgiveness for granted, to be broken and seeing who we really are. And it's not pleasant to be broken. It hurts. And you and me with our sins are broken much worse than that. But to those who fall and are broken by the law, there is resurrection and there is new life. The forgiveness of sins. But again, who does that? Who forgives people who sin against us? Who would forgive someone who killed their son? God does. The lavish love of God does this. So now is the time of grace. Washing us in our children with the blessed waters of baptism. Announcing new life to us and resurrection and forgiveness. Every time we broken sinners gather together and kneel at this altar, we are forgiven. And even more, not just grudgingly sending us back out into his vineyard to make up for what we've done. But he gives us a seat at his feast, serving us and feeding us with his body and blood to build you and me upon the cornerstone. The one whom we shamed honors us. Who does that? Your father does. Once the Apostle Paul realized that, it changed his whole life. And we heard in the epistle, he thought he was somebody, he had, won, he had outachieved everybody else. He was the top dog. He had accomplished so much. No one could boast more than he could. But once he fell over Jesus and learned the truth, nothing else mattered. Everything else is rubbish, Paul said. Everything else is rubbish, 
once Christ makes you his child. And that is what God has done for you. He has given you his son and his spirit that you be his own. Who does that? The chief priests and the Pharisees wanted to arrest Jesus for speaking these things. Jesus was the broken one, not them. Well, once again, they were half right. Jesus was broken for them too and for you. To heal the broken, forgiven sinner, to raise the dead. So come now to his table right here. The amazing, marvelous, lavish love of God for you. The receiving the fruit of the vine is here. The very body and blood of your Savior so that you might have a new life and produce wonderful fruit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith to Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.